Hey friend, you're listening to the Gracious Warrior Podcast with me, your host, Jodine Barba. If things like aligned prosperity, a healthier body, a calmer mind, and a happier home speak to your heart, you're in the right place. I love reminding people where their true identity comes from and how equipped we actually are to be who God has called us to be with grace and strength. I have something to say and I hope it blesses you. Let's start the conversation. Hey there, it's been a little bit since I have recorded an episode, but I'm back. And it's funny because when I first started this podcast, just, I don't know, three or four months ago, I thought, what am I even going to talk about? After a few months, I thought I would run out of material. I'd run out of topics. I'd run out of guests. And it's so incredible how now I'm just sitting here like, oh my word, I have so much that I want to share with you and so many people that I want to interview. I've got a few people lined up coming this fall that I'm going to be interviewing. I'm just so excited for what's to come because I feel like it's really going to encourage and inspire you. And I can't wait to share it all with you. So today we're going to be talking about anxiety and high achievers and how to overcome anxiety. And this topic caught my attention when I was traveling home. Let's see, in June, I was at the airport. I was coming home from, where even was I at? Was I in Salt Lake City? I think, no, I was in Provo, Utah. I was coming home from a leadership conference and I was at the airport and this this magazine caught my attention and I actually have it here. It's the Harvard Business Review. It's not something that I would normally read, but the topic of this particular issue caught my attention. I was like, oh my goodness, I have to read that. And so I read it on the airplane and there's so much in here. I Obviously it's not a faith-based magazine or a faith-based article, but I, I weave God throughout all of this. I can find him in all of this. So I, I was going to start talking about anxiety and high achievers. And then there's the topic of imposter syndrome. That seems to be a really um, like, it's just like everywhere, everywhere you go, people are talking about <laughs> imposter syndrome. And I think we may be overusing imposter syndrome. There's some true definitions of that, but I'll save that for another episode. Like I said, I have so much to talk about, but we're going to do that on another episode. But today specifically, I want to talk about anxiety because it's something that I've definitely been facing myself lately. And that's not something that is very common for me. But I actually think it's more common than we realize that high achievers, top producers, leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, like anxiety is a part of, it's just part for the course. I don't know about you, but there's definitely been times where I've woken up in the middle of the night and didn't even realize how anxious I was thinking about the things that needed to be done and kind of worst case scenarios and people that were dependent on me, things that I forgot to do and just my heart racing and replaying conversations in my in my head or trainings that I've that I've given to people and like oh I could have said this or this would have helped them more it's it it really can be a lot sometimes when you have high expectations and you're really hoping to make a difference in people's lives and to help them and you just can't help but sometimes think about worst case scenario and all the little things that can actually go wrong and anxiety is actually in this, according to this article, is a benefit. It can be something 
that that drives us. Oftentimes, anxiety or fear or trying to avoid the worst case scenario is sometimes what lights a fire under us. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but as I've been doing this for 16, 17 years, I realized that I, I work better under the conditions of alignment and peace and abundance and really just knowing my my vision of the vision that God has put on my heart and the direction that I'm going and being super aligned with it and super clear that I actually enjoy my work. I show up better for other people and my motivation comes from a place of peace rather than worst case scenario and anxiety. (laughs) But I'm human and so are you. So oftentimes anxiety does tend to run the show. So if you can relate to this at all, you might find comfort in this and knowing that you're not alone. And there's, there are 11 different thought traps that this article talks about that are basically a thought trap is it, it describes, um, psychologists describe a thought trap as what others would call cognitive distortions or thinking errors. This is a quote from the article, patterns of untrue and negatively biased thoughts so ingrained that they arise automatically to ensnare us. Does that sound familiar? Do you know anybody else <laughs> that likes to ensnare us? Okay, back to the, back to what the article is saying. Then we can't see clearly, communicate effectively, or make good, um, or make good reality-based decisions. And the consequences can have an adverse effect on us and the teams we lead. As I was reading that, my mind was just racing. As you could tell, I paused a little bit because I was just thinking how much that sounds like the enemy. That's exactly what he tries to do to us, like to disrupt our, our healthy thinking. He wants us to have distorted thought patterns that are going to ensnare us and, and cause these patterns of untrue and negatively biased thoughts that arise automatically to ensnare us. Like we can't even help it. It just, well, if we're not aware of it, it, it we can't help it because it takes over. We can't see clearly. We can't communicate effectively can't make good decisions like oh my goodness that all sounds so so common and so familiar and I as this last week especially I was reminded how Satan uses words to to disrupt our thought our healthy thought patterns he and I've caught myself this week with thoughts running through my mind that I know wait a minute that's Satan putting those thoughts or putting those words into my way of thinking and it's affecting my confidence and how I show up and it's affecting my focus and I've had to be really consciously aware this week of the words that I'm saying that that are being planted and I mean I don't know if planted is the right way of saying it but that's how it feels it feels like there's these words that are being planted in my subconscious and if I'm not aware of it they take over and they paralyze me and I don't move forward. So I think that's just part of the human experience. But as Christians, being aware of of that trap and knowing where those thoughts are actually coming from is really, really important. So this article says um, there are 11 different thought um, traps. And so I I thought I'd just cover those. And like I said, it's not Bible-based or anything like that. But As this comes up, I'm just going to let, you know, God speak to me. And if I get something downloaded from him that I want to share as I'm sharing this with you, 
then I'll just share it. But as of right now, all I have planned is just to share these 11 different thought traps that we can be aware of and that we can make conscious decisions to break free of those patterns and ask God to come in and replace that, replace the words, replace the, the negative thought patterns that can arise. So number one is the all or nothing thinking. So oft, oftentimes anxious high achievers or entrepreneurs can have that all or nothing type of thinking that it's very black or white, right? And I think that you probably experience that if you're listening to this, that when we have a situation that comes up, it doesn't, it doesn't go the way that we had planned. And we can see this as, oh my goodness, it's a total failure. I totally messed up that I, I, I can, I'm not going to be able to recover from this. This was a total mess. And this article says one of the best ways to respond to the all or nothing thinking is to replace the or with and. So you could say, for example, if you, if you had a meeting with a client and it, and it didn't go like you thought it, like how you pictured it would go, it felt like it didn't go well. You didn't do your best. Maybe you stumbled over your words. Like I kind of am on this podcast episode right now. Um, you could be thinking, oh, it's a total failure. That was awful and beat yourself up up over it. Or you could say, well, I didn't do this very well. That didn't go well, but this did. Rather than having that perfection or failure mindset, like it's either one or the other, you can have an and mindset that this didn't go so well, but this did go well. This, this was maybe a negative part of this and there was a positive part to it. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be perfection or failure. It can be both. There can be good and bad. The other negative thought pattern that I'm going to talk about tonight is labeling. This is something that I think we're so guilty of. Again, part of the human experience is that whenever it's like an extreme form of all or nothing thinking. And sometimes when we make a mistake, we tend to attach a negative label to ourselves that I am a total failure. This is never going to work for me. I, I can't figure this out. I'm not smart. I'm, I'm just, I'm unqualified. I'm undeserving. I'm incompetent. Those things that we just label ourselves with just because maybe things didn't go the way that we wanted them to go. And sadly, what we often do is the same thing to each other. If we have a coworker or a teammate or maybe somebody that we're mentoring that maybe isn't doing things how we think that they should or they've made a pretty major mistake or they keep blundering over their words or, or their presentation or you cringed over their, the training that they did for your team, like whatever, whatever it is, you may be putting a label on them like, oh, they're not good at this. They're unqualified. Well, I'm not going to invite them back on here again. Like they're not going to, it's going to be a while before they have any success. Like those labels are so harmful to you and to people around you. And so remembering to give those same people the grace that, that, that I'm asking you to give to yourself, to be gracious with yourself, to know that you don't have to have it all together. It doesn't have to be perfect all the time. You can have areas of growth and actually areas of mastery at the same time. And people around you have the same grace given to them. And you, you'll just absolutely, you'll start to see the good in them, even when they make mistakes. That's what the beauty of grace is, is all about. So just ask yourself a, a question like, 
is a single bad choice or a single bad presentation really proof that I'm unqualified? Is it really proof that I'm so off track for my goals? Is it really proof that I'm not a competent and effective leader just because of one mistake? And, and the answer to that is no, of course not. Just because you have, you know, you've messed up, you've forgotten something or, you know, whatever your mistake is, it, you don't deserve that, that negative label attached to you and people around you don't deserve that either. And again, I'm saying this as I'm, I really learned a lot from this article in that it brought to light a lot of things that I think I've kind of stuffed away and ignored on how I, I treat myself or the lack of grace that I give to myself, but also how I'm providing very little grace to people around me. So this was very convicting for me um, when I'm reading this article through the lens of, of how God, the, the example that Jesus Christ has given us. So um, another negative thought pattern, and you know, it's funny, I, right now I'm reading the gospel, I'm reading Matthew, I'm studying that at our church, and I have a daily devotional where we're going through the book of Matthew also, and it, it's just so, it's just so awesome to be studying the red letters, to be studying the words that Jesus has spoken. It's just funny how you can see examples of these negative thought patterns in different people in the Bible, you know, even Jesus' disciples, his best friends. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty humbling and, and actually kind of encouraging to me to know that even Jesus' best friends that he, he lived with, he traveled with, he worked with, he fished with, he ate with, he broke bread with, like all those things that he did with them, they still messed up and he still loved them. They had negative thought patterns and he still gave them so much grace. So another negative thought pattern is jumping to conclusions. And there's two sides to this. One of them is mind reading. And the second one is fortune telling. <laughs> we think that we can read other people's minds like, oh my goodness, he thinks I'm an idiot. Oh my word. She thinks that I am the worst leader. You know, we, we think we know what people are thinking about us. We do that all the time. And the truth is we are not actually mind readers. We think sometimes, oh, I can feel the energy. I can feel the negative. And you can pick up on some of that. But honestly, most of the time you're picking up on something that the other person is actually not even throwing down. And it's, it's just funny how we can make those assumptions that we think we can actually read people's minds. We can sense when something's off. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely power in that. But like, let's not give ourselves too much credit here that we can actually read people's minds, but we do that all the time. We think we, we know what they're thinking. I'm sure she hates me. I'm sure she thinks I'm ridiculous. Like you don't actually know that. And the, uh, something that I want to be, get better at is to assume good intent, you know, assume those good intentions. And, you know, just what if we just started thinking just positively about what other people are thinking. Like, oh, they must be thinking this. They must be thinking that. Like it would serve us and them that much better when number one, when we stop trying to mind read, but number two, when we, if we do have that tendency to think we can mind read, just assume good intent. Okay. The other part of that is the fortune telling. When we think we can predict how it's all going to play out. Oh, now I know exactly how this situation is going to play out. I know what the future holds now. We think we know, and we're, again, we're giving ourselves so much credit that to think that we can jump to these conclusions and read people's minds and 
predict the future, but do you actually have the ability to know what's going to happen in the future? You don't. And when we live as Christian entrepreneurs and we're surrendered and we're just letting God figure it all out, let him carry the burden, let him light our path, let him give the vision on our hearts of the direction that he wants us to go, then we don't have to worry about jumping to conclusions and trying to predict the future because we're just going along for the ride. We're just letting God guide us and we're just working towards that every single day, not going too fast before him, but we're just just following behind him, just letting him light our path. The other negative thought pattern is catastrophizing. And this is, this we, oh my goodness, I feel so guilty of that. I think my husband would, I, I don't know if I would agree, but I think my husband would say that out of all these thought patterns in this article, that this would be the one that I tend to do the most, that I catastrophize everything. Like I think it's the worst case scenario all the time. But I'm going to read a paragraph out of the article of what it says about catastrophizing. And there's one word that I always mess up on. So hopefully I, <laughs> hopefully I get that right. Let's see if you can catch it. This thought trap involves reaching the worst possible conclusion on the basis of little or no evidence. That tiny blemish must be melanoma. An argument with your significant other signals the end of the relationship. A less than perfect performance review means you'll be fired. A, cata a catastrophist, there you go, catastrophist always expects the worst case scenario no matter the issue. And that is no way to live, friend. And I, my husband probably thinks that because at night if my son's coming home late and I'm like thinking the worst and oftentimes I'm wrong and he's it's completely opposite of, of my worst case scenario thinking like oh my goodness <sighs> I stress over I think mostly with parenting catastrophizing is what I'm guilty with I don't think I necessarily do that in business I I I, I don't because I I can't I can't do that it's I have to have it I have to have my focus I have to really really mind my mind and make sure that um my negative thoughts are not running the show. But with parenting, why is that? Why is that so, so easy for me to just quickly fall into that negative thought pattern of catastrophizing worst case scenario? Oh no, now my kids are gonna hate me. My grandkids are never gonna come see me. <laughs> oh my, I don't even have grandkids. Like talk about worst case scenario and catastrophizing. So it also says that anxiety is an unreliable narrator that lies to you and tells you that everything is going to go wrong all the time. And this uh, Ashley C. Ford, I didn't see what her credentials were, but in this article, she is quoted in saying that she rec recommends finding yourself that feelings, reminding yourself that feelings are not facts. And I think that's so true. I know that's true, right? We know that our feelings are not facts, but sometimes they really, really can feel like facts. And that's something that my husband and I have spent a lot of time on. And I love that we've done this work together and that we can catch each other and saying, wow, is, is that a story? Like, is your, are your feelings running the show and concocting this story? Or, or what are the facts? Let's go back to neutral. Let's find the actual facts in the situation. And then you get to decide what story you're going to give those facts. And yeah, that's just something that, that we've done together that really has helped us a lot. That are you creating a story? We'll stop and ask each other that. And like, yeah, but, but, and like, no, that's actually not fact. And we try to justify it and we try to tell ourselves that worst case scenarios or anxious thoughts um, or, or feelings that these are actually facts. 
and it your feelings can be so intense that it can feel factual but your feelings are not facts I think that's actually really really good advice so What's interesting on here is that they recommend try taking a small but meaningful action to stop the mental spiral. Consult an impartial observer who can talk you down. Try to move the needle just a teeny bit forward away from catastrophe. Even a small amount of progress can nudge your brain to refocus and get back to productive work. Keep your attention on what you can do in the near term rather than on what might happen next year or even three months from now. Really good advice. I think that's that is really good advice. The one thing that I would definitely add to that is when you consult an impartial observer, be careful where their heart is at. Be careful of where where does their growth come from? Are are they walking with the Lord? Are you know, are they qualified to be your mentor? Not everybody is qualified to give you advice. So be careful with that. The last thing that I'm going to talk about on this episode and I'm going to continue this into a part 2 is filtering. This is something that <laughs> that we do so often, mental filtering means that we pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it exclusively so that our vision of all actual reality becomes really darkened, super negative. And it's, they explain it as it's kind of like the drop of ink that discolors a beaker, a beaker of water. If you've ever taken chemistry class or maybe seen a video of it, like there's just this pure beaker of water, nothing else in it, it's just clear and a little drop of ink in there, just a little, little bit of even food coloring, picture that, and how it just distorts the whole thing. It discolors the entire beaker of water. And that's what that that negative thinking or a false vision of actual reality can do. And that what they say is that other times, what the opposite of what people can do is they can focus on what's gone right and completely turn a blind eye to areas of growth or things that need to 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 be improved on and i think to me that describes toxic positivity that's a form of filtering where we're like nope everything's fine everything's fine i don't want to be somebody's ink in their clean beaker of water i don't want to be that ink so i'm not going to say anything i'm not going to focus on you know the negative i'm just going to pretend it's all fine and actually you're causing more damage by not really addressing the hard issues, the difficult things that the difficult conversations, the things that do need to be discussed to elicit change. Sometimes we just ignore, we tuck it away, everything's fine. And it, and it's actually really, really damaging. So there's two sides to that unfiltering. And we just pick out a single negative detail or when we completely just turn a blind eye to things and we just, just ignore it. And what that can do when we ignore areas of growth, ignore some things that really are broken or damaged that, that need to be fixed, it leads to us feeling discouraged and hopeless and completely burnt out because we're not actually addressing the problem. And I think that's something that I see a lot of leaders, I know I've been guilty of it too, where I'm just, nope, head down, do the work, like I'm not going to get distracted by by anything else, I'm just going to be so focused on the goal that I do have done that to a default where I wasn't able to actually recognize when things were off and things needed to be addressed and talked about and, and maybe make a pivot, maybe make a change and, and then keep going forward. So this article says to make a note every time you hit or exceed a target or log a win for your team or your company. So they're just saying in here that practical ways to break out of the trap is to keep a record of these accomplishments. Sometimes we just actually need to see 
that we are making progress and, and that can make a, a difference to have that objective proof, like tangible evidence, like, okay, we are, we are making progress. We are moving forward. And what I've done over the years too, is I've, I've made actually graphs of progress that, and when you feel like you're not making progress in the short term, but then you look at, you know, whatever your, your total sales goal or whatever goal it is that you're working on, when you can actually take a step back from a bird's eye view or like a, the, what they call like the 50 foot viewpoint, the 50 foot perspective, where you can see a broader view of actually what's going on, you can see the gradual growth. You can see how the graph, uh, like the charting actually is slowly moving up. You may have times where it goes down, but it is ultimately continually moving up. And sometimes we need that objective proof to look at the big picture and not just focus on the valleys or the pitfalls. So that's all I'm going to talk about for today. And I, I just wanted to close by saying I, I'll continue this on the next episode. I'll probably finish recording it tomorrow. But I wanted to just say last night when my husband and I went to praise night at church and it was really great being there with him. We don't often go together. Sometimes I just, I just go by myself and it's just such a beautiful experience. But afterwards we had dinner together and we were just talking about like, what, what was that like for you? Like, what it, did you hear God speaking to your heart when you were, you know, at, at church? And one of the things that came up for me was an experience that I had with a group of friends, um, moms, they were like my son's friends, moms. So we were pretty young. Our boys were pretty little and we were at the zoo and I was telling them about my new business that I had started and one of the products that we were selling and, and I was just excited and telling one of the girls and then another girl was kind of negative about it. She's like, I don't really need that. I'm happy with what I use. And just how personally I took that. I was so offended. I, I just took it so incredibly personal. And we were talking about that and how how it really did affect me. You know, I was so hypersensitive to what other people would say, what other people thought, not having people's approval, not having people's support. It, it just, it, it would bind me. It would paralyze me and it would just stumble me. And it would cause me to stumble and not really move forward. And it took me a long time. And I'm not saying I'm fully past that because I'm human, but it took me a long time to be able to, to recognize that and to just kind of let things roll off my back. Not everybody's going to get behind what it is that I'm doing. Not everybody's going to see the vision that God has put on my heart because it's my vision. It's not for everybody else. It's for me. And I, it's just something that my husband and I were talking about. It's like, wow. <laughs> I've come a long ways and yet at the same time I have so we you know we both were talking about areas of growth that we 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 want to work on um individually and it was really nice to be able to share that with him and I don't say that in a way to I don't want you to feel like oh feel bad if you and your husband don't have that because it's been a lot of years and a lot of hard work for us to be at this place now where we can talk about these areas of growth where we can talk about um facts and that that facts don't mean feelings or what was that feelings are not facts your feelings are not facts if if I weren't able to have that languaging and that understanding for my husband it it would be really difficult for us whenever we have a disagreement and and truly that's been a huge part of us in restoring our marriage several years ago we were able to completely restore not completely because nothing is perfect on this earth but we were able to restore our marriage and a lot of that was coming to that understanding that 
feelings are not facts and sometimes there's events that have happened in our lives before we ever even met each other that we attach stories to and we allowed those feelings to become facts in our lives and, and constantly defending those facts and defending those stories at a subconscious level. So we've done a lot of work um, on ourselves, um, on our marriage, and I love this new chapter where we're growing individually in our spiritual walk. And last night was a pretty a pretty awesome dinner for me to sit down and have those conversations with him and that's what I want for you and if you're not there right now with a friend or your mom or your sister or your spouse find somebody that you can open up with even if it's somebody that maybe you have to pay I've, I've talked before about how I have a spiritual director I have a, a Christian who I can sit, I pay her but I sit down and I talk to her about how God's working in my life and just hear her wisdom and you know, bringing me back to what the Bible says about this or, you know, about that, whatever it is I'm going through. Find somebody, go join a, a Bible study that you can do with other women. It's, it's what for me as a woman, I love doing the Bible study alongside other women of all ages that especially with having women in there who are older than me, who can mentor to me, who can speak life into me, that can assure me that this, this chapter that I'm in, it's, it's a season and, it, and um, the hard parts do get better but to really embrace the good times. I've learned so much from them. So find somebody that you can that you can talk to. And and I'm gonna continue this on our my next episode. I'm gonna go through the other negative thought patterns that are so important to recognize and bring to light and just pray over them and let God work these out in our lives. Because to me what I what I think with these these negative thought patterns that it's actually spiritual warfare. That it's this is exactly what Satan wants to do to keep us distracted, to feel unqualified, to feel unworthy, to get off course. That's what he wants us to do. And he uses words to, to keep us off of the path that God wants us on. So declare your life and your story and your words and your thoughts that they belong to God and that you have no room in your life and in your thoughts and in your words for Satan. That he is not welcome there. That your life and every part of you belongs to God. Because it is spiritual warfare and it is, a, it is a war that I know that I and you cannot do on our own. But I know that God can. So let's continue this on our next episode. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Mm -hmm.